All right, well, let's go to God's Word as today we're in week number five of six in our Money Talk series. And so, yes, we're still here. We got one more week to go. I know you're tired of talking about money, but uh, we got a few more things we need to talk about today um, and next week. It's going to get real, real practical. Today, I want to talk to you about debt. Buy now, pay later, I think has become a very normal part of the way of, that many Americans live out their life. In fact, it's even become uh, the mentality of our American government. Our national debt now is over $31 trillion and counting. So th- this, is, this, this continual taking of debt is how America functions. In case you didn't know what $31 trillion looked like, there it is. And then that, that comes down to 94540 per citizen, and then it's actually 246000 per taxpayer. And if you go and look at this, this clock is continually going up, and America's debt is just skyrocketing. And, you know, while these numbers uh, boggle our mind, it's, it's really easy, right, not to worry too much about this, because it's hard for us to connect all the dots about how this affects our daily life. It actually does affect our daily life, but we don't really see it right in front of us. And so in our minds, you know, this is someone else's problem to fix, right? It's the politician's problem to fix. It's the president's problem to fix. Well, I got to tell you, this sermon is not about how to fix this problem, okay? We're not going to do that today. What this sermon is going to be about is helping you fix your own personal debt problem. Now, I got to tell you this morning, I'm going to throw at you lots of numbers, um, lots of practical examples, so just bear with me because I think it's important that you see some of this visually as we make our way through this message. Listen to these statistics. Over the past six months, the average household debt has increased by over $12,000. That's up 8%. Debt for individuals has increased by 3478 averaging more than $58,000 per person. That's up 14%. The average household took on $1,939 more in credit debt and 1,415 more in auto loans. And this is just in the last six months. And so when you look at the statistics, debt is this kind of runaway train that is happening in America, even on a personal level, for a lot of your average American citizens. Now, here's the average household balances by type of debt. So for people that have mortgages, um, their average, the average across the board for a mortgage is 226,000. When it comes to student loans, people that have student loans, over 57,000, the average household auto loan total is 32,000. The average household has over $15,000, almost $16,000 in credit card debt. And then when it comes to home equity, those with a home equity loan, just short of 56,000. Now, when we look at these statistics this morning, my guess is for a lot of you in this room, this hits home for you. Here's what God has sent me to tell you. He wants you to be debt-free, and He wants me to talk to you about how that can happen. Now, before we get into it all, I need to say a few things about debt right up front. First, the Bible does not, everybody say does not. The Bible does not teach that having financial debt is a sin. However, it really has nothing good to say about it. 
In fact, it warns us to stay out of debt. We're always encouraged to, to get out of debt and stay out of debt. Second thing I'd like to say is this. I, I want you to know there is such a thing as beneficial debt. There are three times when it may. Everybody say may. Okay, and I emphasize may be beneficial to borrow. When are those three times? When it comes to your mortgage, when it comes to your schooling, and when it comes to business. Always with these three criteria in mind. The item purchased produces an income or has the potential to appreciate. The value of the item equals or exceeds the amount owed against it. And the debt is not so high that the payment puts undue strain on the budget. So let me tell you how this kind of worked out practically in, in our lives. And use an example from my life. Um, I've been living in my house that I bought 20, for 23 years ago. When we bought that house, we paid a whopping $128,000 for that house. Today, if I wanted to sell it, I could sell it for $250 to $275. How many think that's a good investment, right? That's a real good investment. So you see how that can work. Same thing can happen with schooling. You know, you can go, and because you got a degree, um, even though you had to pay some things off, you were able to make way more money through your lifetime with that degree than without that degree. So does that make sense? Same type of thing could happen in your business. Now, having said all that, ultimately, the best option is not to take debt if possible, but sometimes it may be beneficial to do so. Now, with that being said, I want to talk to you about two things this morning. I want to talk to you about, number one, the problem with debt, and then I want to talk to you about how to get out of debt. So let's start with the problem with debt. This is where getting out of debt and learning to stay out of debt starts. It has to be a renewed thinking in your mind, okay? You can't continue to think about debt like the rest of our world and our society thinks about debt. You can't continue to go, you know what, it's really no big deal. Everybody's doing it. It's a normal part of life. You have to get that thinking out of your mind. Your mind has to be renewed. You have to understand that there are some problems that come along with debt, and God in his wisdom addresses those issues. He does it in one scripture verse. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. God says this, the rich rule over the poor... And the borrower is slave to the lender. This one verse reveals to us three problems that debt will create in your life. Number one, let's go over them. Debt limits your freedom. That's the first thing that debt is going to do. It's going to limit your freedom. I want you to look again at the verse. The rich rules, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is, what's the word? Slave to the lender. Now, now focus on that word slave for just a moment. It's a Hebrew word that literally can be translated slave, worker, worshiper. This is so important for you to understand. Debt literally makes you a slave to someone else to some degree. Why? Because the borrower is slave to the lender. So think about it this way. Debt is a form of slavery. That's a basic truth that you can't get around. Every time you sign up for more debt, you're giving more of a slice of your freedom away. Why is that? Because you don't borrow money for free. Okay? Here's what it means. It means when you're borrowing money and when you're paying to service the debt that you have, you're enriching the pockets of your lender. 
That means a slice of your hard-earned money now goes to enrich the lender instead of you. That's called slavery. And what debt does is it robs you of the freedom to do what you want to do with every bit of your hard-earned money. Here's what debt will also do. It also limits your options. Okay? The more debt you have, the fewer options you will have. The less debt you have, the more options you will have. Let me explain this in a way maybe I think that you can understand. When me and my wife got married, she inherited a husband with $22,000 in school loans. Now, I inherited a spouse that had no debt. And when we moved here, um, we didn't have any kids, and we made this, this, this plan in our, in our finances that we were going to get rid of that debt as, as soon as possible. And so what happened is we actually did it. We were supposed to take 10 years to pay that off, and we did it in three years, and we saved $13,000 of interest in the process. Now, why did we do that? Because there were some values that were important to us as a couple. One of those values is we wanted to be relationally rich with our kids when we had kids. And so what happened is we paid our debt off, and when we had our second kid, my wife quit teaching at the high school. We were able to live on less so that my wife could be involved in my kids' lives on a greater basis. So guess which mom was at all the school functions and all the school parties? My kid's mom. This is one of the options we now had available to us because we didn't have any what? Debt. The other value for us was ministry. So my wife wasn't teaching at the high school because she loved that to the, to the nth degree. She was doing that to support our ministry habit. And so when she was able to stay home, now she was able to invest more of her time here at the church helping to build the ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying? The less that you have, the more what? options that you have at your fingertips. Because we didn't have to service that debt anymore, we were able to make different decisions. The reason lots of people have to work harder and longer than they would like. The reason lots of families suffer because no one is home with the kids. The reason lots of people can't make a diff- more of a difference for the kingdom of God comes down to one issue, and it's debt. Because we're so busy trying to keep up with servicing debt. Think about it. You'd like to give more to the things of God, but you can't because you've given away a piece of your freedom to enrich the pockets of a lender. And have you noticed that creditors really don't have much sympathy for you? You notice that? Okay. Miss a payment and see what happens, right? When you miss a payment, what happens? You get a call, and then they charge you a late what? They charge you a late fee. Why? Because the more and longer you're in debt, the higher their profits are going to be, right? I don't know if you know this, but there's a reason why there's tons of credit card companies in Delaware. You ever notice there's all kind of, you ever go up, up, and you see all the buildings? They're beautiful, aren't they? There's a reason for that. The reason why a lot of credit card companies park in certain states is because certain states don't put a cap on their interest rates that they can charge. This is the key to why you can do tax-free shopping in Dover. Somebody's actually paying for the taxes in the state. A lot of that comes through the earnings of the credit card company. So here's the question that I have for you this morning. Are you a slave or are you a master? The answer to that question is going to determine how much freedom or lack of freedom you actually 
have. So that's the first problem with debt. You take on, the more debt you take on, it's, it's, the more you're going to limit the, the freedom in your life. It literally takes freedom away from you. Here's problem number two. It robs your future. Debt will rob your future. Now, notice the word borrower. The rich rule over the poor, and the what? Borrower is slave to the lender. Now, that word borrower is lavat in, in Hebrew, and it means to be joined together, to become attached. So I want you to think about debt this way. Debt joins you to the lender. It ties you to them. In some ways, it's like a marriage. You know, when people get married, two people become one in, in, a, in a united relationship, and that new marriage brings with it responsibilities that you didn't have when you were single. Am I right? And those responsibilities are, end up costing you lots of time, lots of energy, and lots of money. How many of you married people say amen to that? What happens when a couple gets divorced? All the time, energy, and money that they invested in that marriage was wasted. Time, money, and energy, they can't get back. And now they have to go their separate ways, and they have to start over again at an older age in that area of their life from scratch, right? Now, follow me. Debt does the same thing. The moment you say, I do to debt, a union is created, a tie, a responsibility is created, and that responsibility is going to cost you lots of time, lots of energy, and lots of money. Now, unlike divorce and marriage, a broken union with a lender is a good thing. How many would say amen to that? You want to be free from that. But the same truth will apply. Servicing debt wastes a lot of your time, a lot of your energy, and a lot of your money that you can't get back. And now you're starting all over with nothing to show at an older age. And because your time and your energy and your money are limited, you don't have any time to waste. This is why I tell you, debt will rob your future. So follow me. One day, your body is going to wear out. You're going to get old, and you ain't going to be able to work on the pace and the level and do the things that you once did, which means you won't be able to work and earn a living like you once did. So therefore, it's important when you're young to position yourself financially for when you're old. See, when you're young, you don't think about these type of things, do you? How many of you are going through financial peace right now? How many of you are saying, I wish I would have done this when I was 20? I wish somebody would have grabbed a hold of me and said, if you will do this, it's going to change your 30s and your 40s. Because here's what happens. You're in your 20s, and, and when you're young, you think you're going to be able to control everything in your life, and you're going to have plenty of time to get out of debt. And before you know it, you turn around, and you're 40, and you're 50, and you're 60, and you realize time is running out. How many of you can say amen to that? Taking on debt is a presumption of the future. It, it, you say, I can always pay it off tomorrow. And my question to you is, how do you know? You might be disabled tomorrow. You might have a major accident next week. You could get a disease that forces you to retire way before you had planned to retire. The job you thought that was so secure might not be as secure as you, you think. You could get laid off. Listen, any one of those scenarios can bury a person if their debt load is, is, is great enough. Every time you take on more debt, I promise you, you're robbing yourself of being able to be further ahead financially 
in your future. Why? Here's why. The powerful force behind borrowing is what? Interest. Okay? Now, let's define interest for you for just a moment because you need to understand how this works. Basic definition of interest, a fixed charge for borrowing money, usually a percentage of the amount borrowed. Pretty simple to understand. There's something called simple interest. Interest paid only on the original principal, not on the interest occurred. And then there's this oh-so-wonderful thing called compound interest. This is interest computed on the accumulated unpaid interest as well as on the original principal. Question, what type of interest is attached to your mortgage? Compound interest, right? Which type of interest do the credit card companies, credit card companies attach? Compound interest. So let's just think about this just for a second, and I'm going to lead you through some examples here. Let's look at an example of credit card debt. Remember I told you that the average credit card debt is just short of 16000 I made it fifteen just for, for easy math sake. So bear with me on that. The average uh, rate right now on a credit card is actually 23 point something percent. I think it's 23.69, but I rounded it down to 23. If you have to pay a 3% minimum monthly payment, it's $450 to service that debt every single month. If you just stick with that, and don't add any more debt to that $15,000, it's going to take you 54 months to pay that $15,000 off. You won't pay it off till September of 2027. And by the time you pay it off at this scenario, total interest paid will be $9,144. On top of the fifteen dollars that you already owed, you will end up paying a total of $24,144. Okay? That's how that works out. Now, Let's flip, this, let's flip the script here and talk about savings invested. If you were to take that same $450 that you were servicing your debt for and you started investing it at a rate of return of 10%. Now, following, you're not going to get that at your bank. You're not going to be able to put that in a savings account and, and get that kind of return. I'm talking about your 401k. I'm talking about mutual funds. I'm talking about things like that. Okay, The general rate of return uh, historically is about 10 to 12%. Uh, it's not that right now. I think it's actually right now at this time about 7% return, um, but it goes back and forth. So we're going to use 10 as a base. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. So we're not talking about the average savings account. Um, if you had that right of return to that money, 450 that you keep putting in every month that goes into that investment in 54 months, total contributed that you're going to save is 29,700. And then your total investment return on top of that is going to be 7512 which means you will now, in the same period of time from the other one, you're going to have $37,212. So let's put these two examples side by side. And this is what I'm trying to prove to you. Let's go to the credit card debt. I ended up spending a total, $15,000 plus the interest. I ended up spending $24,000 for stuff that only cost $15,000. And at the end of the day, when I have it paid off, the good news is it's paid off. What's my balance? Zero. I have nothing to show for it. In fact, a lot of the stuff that I bought, it's not even in my house anymore. I've consumed it. I've used it, right? I've been out to too many restaurants or too many vacations that are gone. And, and, and I, so you get the idea. 
On the other side of that, if I've saved it and I've invested it, what's my balance? 37 to 112. You see how I'm ahead financially? Depending on what side of the debt equation you are on. So think about, uh, think about this for a second. Go to the next one. Investing four fifty per month at ten percent return in ten years you'll end up with eighty six thousand in twenty years you'll end up with three oh nine at thirty years you'll end up at eight 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 hundred eighty eight thousand and then at forty years oh my gosh you see how interest how investment works you get the idea there so here's the question are you a borrower or a lender the answer to that question will affect your future. If you're a borrower, you're going to rob your future financially. If you're a lender, it will enrich your future financially. Because by the way, when you are investing your money, do you understand you're becoming a lender? Because people are using your money and you get a return of the what? Of, of the profits. And so you end up becoming a lender when you're able to save and invest. So what's the problem with that? Well, it, it hinders my freedom. It, it robs my future. And here's the last thing, and this is so important. It hinders your worship. Now, I want you to go back to that word slave in the verse once again. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. And remember that Hebrew word. What is one of the words that can be used for that word slave in Hebrew? What is it? Worshiper. I'm going to propose to you something that you need to wrap your mind around and get this down. Debt affects your worship. How so? Well, do you remember what Jesus said in the Gospels? And we've already looked at it a couple times in this series, but let's go back and look at it again. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Listen to me. Debt puts other masters in your life. Because the borrower is slave to the lender. So here's another way of looking at Jesus' words here in this verse. When you have more than one master in your life, you can't serve both masters wholeheartedly. Debt will limit your worship of God. Now, now please follow me. I'm not saying that you don't love him. I'm not saying that you're not saved, nor am I saying that you can't be used by God if you have debt. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is debt will limit your worship and your usability. Why? Because you have other masters in your life making demands on your money and your time. So you're not as free to worship God with debt as you are without it. The less debt you have, the more you can give to the kingdom of God. The more debt you have, the less you can give to kingdom purposes. The less debt you have, the more time you can invest in serving kingdom purposes because, you know what, I don't have to work all these hours. I can invest it in other ways because I don't have the pressures of the debt to keep up with on top of everything else that I need to just survive. There are some things that God may be wanting you to do, that God may calling, be calling you to do that are being held up by your debt because you are not free 
to wholeheartedly follow God in some areas of your life. He may want to shift some things. He may want to redirect some things. And the key to him opening some doors for your life is you've got to get your debt load down in order for that to happen. How many of you have ever said, boy, and I've heard people say this, I would do more for God if I was in a better financial situation. People say that all the time. I've said it. I want to get rid of my debt because I don't want anything to hinder my worship and my service and my commitment to God. So the more I get rid of debt, the more free I am to worship Him, to serve Him, to be used by Him. And that's what God wants. You know, God wants to bless you to be a blessing. Did you know that? He wants to bless you to be a blessing. He wants you as his people in this world to be a blessing to the people around you, to have the ability to say, I I can choose to bless them because I'm in a position to do it. Listen, in Deuteronomy chapter um, 28, God's talking to the Israelites here about, God's like, I want to bless you. And here's how my blessing could be on you. And he's talking about, you follow my ways, you follow my word. I want to bless you. I want to make you a blessing to the nations around you. I mean, you read over and over, blessing, 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 blessing. And then he goes on to talk about why this whole financial blessing that he wants to get put on the children of Israel if they'll follow his ways. And look what it says down in verse 11. It says, the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and in the crops of your ground. So he's talking about their financial situation in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. Watch this. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. Now, now God wants to bless you so that you can be in position for something. Watch this. You will lend to many nations, but will what? Borrow from none. Here's the Lord's desire. The Lord will make you the head and not the I don't know about you, but I'd rather be the head than the tail. Because the head tells, tells the tail what to do, right? Everybody in this room, to one degree or another, is a head or a tail. God's desire is that you would be able to be the head. Instead of other people dictating in your life because you're bound by debt, God wants you to be free and be able to be the head. And you've got, you're, you're better to be in a position to make decisions. You're better in positions to be used by him. I mean, it's just a better place to be. You want to be a head and not the tail. So here's the question. Is God or money or is money or God my master? Interesting question to grapple with as a child of God. This is why this money stuff is so important, because Jesus said, where your treasure is, your what? Heart will be also. And so if the borrower is slave to the lender, this debt thing is a big, big deal. So that's the problem with debt. It limits your freedom, it robs your future, and it hinders your worship. Now, with that in mind, let's talk about how to get out of debt. How many of you are going through financial peace right now? We got, we got, I think, our fourth session tonight. So some of this you've already heard. A lot of this I got from Dave Ramsey and just following along because it's a really, really good plan. I've added some other stuff in here. But let's just talk about how to get out of debt because this is what you really need to know. Now you got the mindset. Okay, I don't need to be living this way. And how am I going to get out of living this way? God, this, is, this, is, this is what God wants. Now, here's step number one. Stop making excuses. Okay? That's a big deal. 
You know who people, people in life who make excuses don't really get anything accomplished. Why? Because it's always somebody else's fault. Now, listen, it may, your debt may be somebody else's fault. And I'm sorry for that. I, and I, I, it's terrible. It's painful. But the reality is you're the one that's going to have to take responsibility if it's in your life to get it out of your life. It's just like forgiveness, right? I mean, you know, when it comes to forgiveness, uh, I mean, you know, a lot of us don't want to forgive because, you know, the reality is, is, is it's somebody else's fault. And listen, it may be somebody else's fault, but nobody's going to be able to get that bitter root out of your heart other than you taking responsibility and getting it out of there. It's the same thing with debt. Stop making excuses, okay? Here's number two, put God first. You say, but I'm trying to get out of debt. You want me to add another bill? Listen, this is why I believe. Do you want God's help or not? Remember we talked about first fruits giving. When I put God first in my finances, I invite him in to work. I invite his partnership in to help me. How many of you want God's help? I begin to put God first. Number three, survey your debt. Say, what do you mean by that? Write it down. Some of you, you know you're deep in debt, but you don't really have a clue how much you're in debt. Your plan of strategy is, if I just ignore it long enough, it'll just go away and get better by itself. You need to know where you're at. And and when you do this, some of you, you're going to be more depressed than ever because you're going to go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how bad this was. Write it down on paper. List who the debtor is. List, list how much you owe. You need to create a list of all those things. All right. Once you do that, you're now ready for the financial swear word. Budget. I'm going to give that swear word for you. We're going to talk a little more about that next week. You got to make a budget. Okay? That's very important because you need to know when you create your budget, where can I grab margin? Where can I take from in order to pay down my debt? Okay? And when you start tracking your finances, you will be shocked. Okay, here's what some of you are going to find. I spend $150 a month at Rural Farms on coffee and other things? <laughs> really? And then you start to go, ding, I can make my own coffee at home. Now, is there anything wrong with buying your coffee at Royal Farms? No. If you have the means to do it, do it. But I'm saying there's probably more margin in your budget than you realize. You just haven't tracked it. And so tracked it. So once you start tracking it, you can go, okay, I'm going to take from there because I'm going to make, we're going to put that to here so that I can start paying this debt down. Here's number five, implement the debt snowball plan. We'll talk about that in just a second. And then number six, work hard, be disciplined, and have patience, okay? It's going to take some time. Some of you, this is going to take months. Some of you, it's going to take years. Some of you, it's going to take a couple of years. And I promise you, if you will work hard, be disciplined at it, keep working at it, it'll be the best couple of years you ever spend in your life, okay? For some of you, this is going to be no quick fixes. Now, let's talk about the debt snowball plan. First step in this is establish a $1,000 emergency fund. You say, I, I don't have $1,000. That's why I'm in debt. Amen. <laughs> doesn't sound, who come up with this? 
you got to find $1,000 somehow, some way, and save it up, okay? Maybe it's your tax return. Maybe you take on a, a job or two, or, uh, some random thing that you can... Maybe you and your wife spend a couple hundred dollars every year on your birthdays and anniversaries, and maybe you say, our birthday presents to each other this year is an emergency fund, okay? Why do you want to do this? Because here's what most people do. Okay, I'm ready to get out of debt. And they go home and they put every penny towards debt that they have. There's no emergency fund and the washing machine breaks. What are you going to do? Because you need a washing machine. You're going to put it on the what? Credit card. Now you're adding more debt. Okay? This is why you need an emergency fund. Here's step number two. Stop creating new debt. Okay? Stop feeding the beast. Right? Do you know when you, when, when you don't feed something, it dies, right? When you feed something, it grows and it lives and it gets bigger. You know that. You have children. When they come out of the womb, you started feeding them. And you turn around and be like, sometimes I think I shouldn't feed them. I mean, they're just, they just grow. That's what happens to your debt. So stop creating new debt. Number three, list your debts from smallest to largest. Okay, you're going to rank them in that order. Number four, every month you're going to pay all your minimum balances on all your debts. Okay, you can't skip that. Because when you skip that, what are they going to do? Charge you a late fee and you're creating what? More debt. Here's number five. Then, so you're going to pay your minimum balances on each of your debts, and then you're going to pay extra as determined by the budget. So you did your budget to find out where can I bring some more money into this equation so I can get rid of this debt, and you're going to do that by starting on the smallest debt until it's eliminated. Now, some financial experts will say, well, you don't want to start with the smallest debt. You want to start with the debt that, that, that has the highest interest rate, and that makes a lot of sense except for you need to create some momentum in your life. Okay, because sometimes we start with a debt that's going to take us a gazillion years to pay off and we lose steam and we give up. So when you start with the smallest debt first and you knock it out, you're like, "Woo! look what I did. And you go to Applebee's and you celebrate. <laughs> Maybe McDonald's, right? Maybe, you know what? In order to celebrate, I'm getting a coffee at Rural Farms today. That's what I'm going to do. And then you move on to your next one, and then you're able to knock that out in short order. And now as this thing started getting exciting, because you know what? I've knocked out one and two, and yeah, I've got some big ones to go down. But now I have the confidence to know that I can do this. Number six, add the amount used to pay off the last debt to the next debt. So you move on to the next. And you're going to repeat that till all debts are eliminated. Now, let's go to the example. And I got to tell you, your note sheet is wrong, so don't fill in the blanks. I changed my numbers several times, wasn't sure how I wanted to do it, and then I got to the first service, and I'm like, here's the guy trying to teach you out of debt, and his numbers aren't even right on the screen, so we got him right now. Yeah, yeah so my, it's my fault, I mean, you're dead. <laughs> All right, so I've listed my debts down, and let's just do a little pretend here. Um, let's start, let's pick on Kohl's, right? You went to Kohl's one time, and they were like, you know what, if you sign up for our credit card... You're going to get like this percent off and we're going to give you a Kohl's cash so you could come back and spend more money, right? Kohl's cash. How many love Kohl's cash, right? They make you think you're saving, right? I love Kohl's, by the way. Anyway, okay. So I got, I got $120 balance in the Kohl's card. And then I look at my Visa card. That's a little bigger. I got a $700 balance on that. 
And then there's the big one. So many of you know what I'm talking about. You have the big one somewhere, right? My MasterCard, that's been my go-to. I got $5,000 of debt on there. And we're not putting mortgage in here because mortgage would come when all these other things are taken care of. Does that make sense to everybody? So I have a car loan. I still got $6,400 to pay on it. And uh, let's look at the minimum balances. So the Kohl's and Visa, um, they usually charge you a percentage, or if that percentage does equal $25, then it's $25. So that's why I put $25 and $25. And then your MasterCard, um, 3% of that is $80 a month. And then your car payment, let's just pretend it's $300 a month that you have on that car loan. These are your minimum payments that you need to pay every single month, or they charge you a what? Plus the interest accumulates, and the, you end up with more because you missed the payment, and you weren't paying down, and now there's more interest. So let's start at the top. We're going to start with Kohl's. It's the smallest. It's the one we're going to get rid of. Okay, this is debt snowball. I'm going to pay the minimum balances on all those. Say all those. But in my budget, I squeezed out 100 bucks because I'm skimping in some ways. So now on that first debt, the $25 minimum payment plus the 100 I'm squeezing out my budget, I'm now putting $125 on that Kohl's thing per month, which means I paid it off in month one. Coffee at Royal Farms this week. We're going to celebrate. Well, here's the thing. The next month I come back, and now because I was putting $125 on that first one, I pay all my minimums, and now I'm able to put that $125 on the visa, and now how much am I paying on the visa per month? $150. Now, that's going to take a little longer, but eventually, oh my gosh, a couple months goes by, Woo! we're getting two coffees at Royal Farms this week. Because we're making progress, right? We're excited about this thing. Now I have a total of $150 because all those minimum fees plus the $100 adds up to $150. I'm moving on to the MasterCard. This is the big boy. This is going to take me a little while. So I'm paying the minimums and I'm going to put that $150 on there. So every month on the MasterCard now, I am paying what? $230. Little time goes by. Woo! I am free from MasterCard. They are no longer, I'm no longer a slave to them. Coffee all week long at Royal Farms, just this week only. Okay? It's okay to, to, to celebrate at times, right? Okay? Extra Dunkin' Donuts this week, right? All right. You've been servicing your minimum payments plus now you have an extra $230 per month that I can now apply to, pay to my car loan. And now, with the $300 payment, I am now paying $530 per month on my car loan, and I'm knocking that thing out really quick. Now, here's the beauty of this. When you get your car taken care of, don't be stupid. You say, what do you mean, don't be stupid? Don't go, oh my gosh, I got $530 per month extra. I can go to Royal Farms anytime I want. Don't just go blow it. Here's why. It's already in the budget. You're already surviving on the other that you're living on. So now you can take that and go, where do I want to strategically use this? You know what I do when my cars are paid off? I, I, we started this years ago. When our first car was, we started, we didn't just spend up to the limit. Now that we had, we started, we continued to make that car payment, but to ourselves, Because now I'm putting myself in position for the next car I'm going to buy. And I'm able to walk in there with a good down payment. 
or I'm able to walk in there with all of it. Plus, it's like another emergency fund. So when the brakes go up on my vehicles, my other vehicle, I'm not worried about it because I've been saving $530 per month. And you can divvy that however you want. You could put more into emergency. This is how you can now build months of reserve and you could start building wealth moving forward. It's already in the budget. Does that make sense to everybody? The debt snowball. This is possible, okay? But you have to do the work. You have to understand the problem with debt. And then you got to learn how to get out of debt. This is why we're so passionate at Hope Fellowship about doing things like financial peace. Because we want, to, we want you to learn how to free yourself up in such a way that nothing will hinder my worship, nothing will hinder my freedom, and nothing will rob me of the future where I can be a blessing to other people. This is what it's about. Would you bow your heads with me? I don't know where you're at in this place this morning, but my guess is, is there are a lot of you that are in debt this morning. And the Lord wants you to know that he loves you, that he cares about you, and he will help you if you follow his word. Lord, I pray that you would give us, first of all, courage. Lord, I pray that you would help give us faith Lord, I pray that you would give us resolve in order to get ourselves out from under debt. That we may be free. That we may be a blessing to those around us for years to come. That we may be able to worship you with every bit of our heart, Lord. And so, Lord, I, I just pray, Lord, that out of this message today that the seed would be planted. And I pray that we would hear testimony after testimony of people that got them out of, out of, of themselves out of debt. Lord, help us in the name of Jesus. Be free. Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We had said all together, amen, amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask our prayer partners, would you go ahead and come? If you're a prayer partner, come on up. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, Maybe even for this area. You say, I just need somebody to pray with me. Because you know what? I, I struggle with my finances and I, I need some help. If you need help, come see us. We'll help you the best we can. But if you need prayer for that or you need prayer for anything else in your life, come on up. Let us pray for you. The rest of you, have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. So.